Hello and welcome to episode 87 of the Owls of Maricast, presented by Sheffield Wednesday's I Follow Live Match streaming service. You can sign up now at swfc.co.uk slash I follow. I'm your host today, Evan Skilleter, as our normal host, Jeff, is out bowling tonight, hopefully with a white Russian or four. Uh, on the line, we have Patty in Secaucus. Patty, how was Christmas and what are you drinking? Good evening, Evan. Happy New Year. Uh, my Christmas was fantastic, thank you. I went back home for a week. I didn't see any of Sheffield Wednesday's games, so I'm completely oblivious to what happened. Good for you. James is in Manhattan. James, were you as fortunate as Patty? <laughs> uh, Happy New Year, Evan, to begin with. Uh, no, no. unfortunately, I stayed stayed in the States. I went up to Vermont, and that meant I had unfettered access to ESPN Plus and saw the Carbuncle, or the Scrooge-inspired uh, Christmas schedule that Wednesday decided to follow on. But on the upside, I brought back some really nice uh, Vermont beer, so I'm drinking one of those tonight. Excellent. I, uh, I'm drinking nothing at the moment. Got home a little late and didn't... Uh, th- didn't pour myself anything, so uh, probably switched to from nothing to water here in a moment. Uh, I think tasteless is uh, a good way to describe Wednesday's play lately anyway. So we do have the obligation to review a few matches. Uh, actually, I think we have four to go over. Uh, and we probably won't get too in-depth, as you can imagine. Uh, we'll also bring you some Wednesday news. We'll talk transfers as we are into January and the transfer window is open and we will preview our FA Cup clash. So normally we do a 90 minutes and 90 seconds recapping our matches. Well, Jeff is very good at that and Jeff may have been able to give you an entertaining 90 minutes and 90 seconds for the last four matches, but instead I'm going to skip it. We are... (laughs) Ending 2019, we're ending uh, the last decade. We're into a new one, the Roaring Twenties, as they used to say and as many people are saying again. And just a couple weeks ago, we were up to third in the table. And as Jeff likes to say, when January comes around, it's time to look at the table. And I hate to break it to you if you haven't looked in a while, but we're down from third to eighth. Now, I know that's only, what, four points behind the third spot, but... Uh, terrible run of form, and we're not going to recap those, but we are going to get straight to our points, and Patty, we're going to start with you. Why don't we talk about crossing? So one of the themes I saw, so I, I watched over all these games again, so I, I did lie a little bit earlier in my intro, I did watch all of the games, but it was from the comfort of a uh, chair, whether that be in the sky on an aeroplane, whether it be my mum's sofa or whether it be my own home um, throughout Christmas. So I did watch the games. Uh, I managed to fortuitously avoid going to the two home games due to uh, flight scheduling. Um, so for me, there's a common theme out of the three uh, last three games, especially uh, uh, to some extent Bristol City as well, and that was our kind of one-dimensional game plan um, of, and put it crudely, just throwing the ball into the box. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but since uh, I think Monk took over, 
we've been a lot more direct, which I think we all asked for uh, after kind of like the Carlos kind of hangover. Um, the problem is now that we haven't really got a second, like a plan B after that goes wrong. So it worked on teams like Borough and Forest where balls into the box and they were converted pretty quickly by um, uh, our strikers or people running into it. But when it doesn't work, we don't seem to remember how to play like we used to play. No like small interchangeable passes, no running into the box. It's, it's like we've forgotten all we were good at to focus on being direct. Uh, and when that happens, and it doesn't work, it's the most mind-numbingly frustrating football to watch as we just continue to plough the same channel. We just continue to throw it into the box and hope for the best, that someone will win the header. But without Fletcher in the team, we haven't, we haven't got anyone that can win a header. Sometimes I haven't got a, head, a person in the box Mind on the winner header. If it's actually new you and Jordan Rhodes, they don't tend to win as many headers as they should do. Um, Sam Winall as well doesn't really. It's kind of lightweight. I think it's better with the ball at his feet. So that's when we get into the box with some kind of accuracy. My other problem with the crossing on directness is that we haven't really got many good crosses of the ball. Uh, I would say Morgan Fox is probably our best cross of the ball right now, and he's left back for God's sake. We've got. People like Adam Reach, who's off form at the moment. Jacob Murphy, who I don't think really has put more than one or two good balls in in his entire career for Wednesday yet. And then Harris, uh, who is hot and cold. Let's face it, he's, he's a great dribbler. Um, but sometimes struggles to get uh, the final ball in. So for me, we need to find a way to move to a plan B. Remember how we used to play football. Remember uh, going to the middle. Having a central midfield would be good, rather than two people that play almost as defensive midfielders in Bannon and Hutchinson. I think Luongo is, is one of the keys to that. If we can get Luongo back into that first eleven, he does make those runs like Kieran Lee-esque uh, and bridge that gap between midfield uh, and strike force. So that's for me, was the re recurring theme uh, over Christmas. And uh, it wasn't good to watch because it, it more than often failed to deliver. James, Patty mentioned uh, getting back to the or, or just having a plan B, and, and obviously you had a few good examples there, Patty. But James, if you could pick out a, a plan B that doesn't involve purchasing new players, uh, what would you say? Uh, shut up shop, because uh, we <laughs> we got to change the squad, Evan. Um, look, I, I actually really like the way that you introed this. You know, you kind of said that let's um, let's not reflect too much on the dire um, exchanges of the back end of December and the first the first days of January. Let's let's focus on the twenty you know twenty twenty season ahead. Um, what got us here ain't going to get us out of the division, right? Um, we've tried this. We've tried it so many times over. And, and what, Paddy, you were just describing in terms of kind of, you know, our inadequacy when it comes to delivery, our inadequacy when it comes to finishing, you know, we, we've kind of come to expect it with this squad, right? You know, it blows hot and cold. It goes on these runs where we, our hopes get up, we get up to third, and then all of a sudden we uh, we kind of turn on our backs and let someone tickle our belly, a.k.a. Stoke, Cardiff, Hull. Um, it's just the way this squad is. Um, so there is no plan B, I'm afraid, Evan, other than the fact that we've got to change up the squad. Um, you know, these players have run their course, or at least as a collective entity. I'm not suggesting that literally every single player in the squad has, but um, I think we owe it to Gary Monk to let him 
make some judicious changes. Um, I'm not under any illusions, as I think we've covered on a lot of uh, previous pods and, and in other places, that Wednesday are in a position to go out and splash cash. But we got to sell some players, we've got to wheel and deal, we've got to bring in some loan players, we've got to freshen this place up. Because, um, yeah, the last three games just really kind of put a full stop for me on, on the last five years. It's time for change. So you're suggesting wholesale changes, James? I think we have to. Um, you know, I just just the way you were describing it then, kind of, you know, the forlorn kind of hit and hope. You know, the ball goes back to Tom Lees and he pings it and then Addy knew who, you know, leaps, doesn't get too high off the ground, doesn't really hold the ball. Um, that was in the first half before he went off injured, right? Um, I, I just don't... I, I don't see those players, you know, suddenly gelling into the nucleus of a, of a spine or a, or a team that's going to get us out of the division. I, I kind of feel like, you know, we need fresh blood. We need fresh ideas. We need players who are hungry. Apart from anything else, the thing that was absolutely devastating, I thought, was kind of about 65, 70 minutes in against Hull. You know, and we've gone 1-0 down. And, you know, to be fair to the players on the pitch, most of them have played three or four games in, in six, seven days. That's, you know, it's a lot of football to play in a short space of time. But they didn't look like they had energy. They didn't look like they had hunger. They didn't look like they had desire. You know, a fairly average whole team was just kind of out-competing us. And I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like you need that sort of energy of new faces and new um, new ideas around the dressing room for it to change up. So are you suggesting doing that in January? Because uh, I guess... Well, when we got into this, I, I mentioned the table and how we're only, th- what was it, three points or two points removed from, from sixth, <clears throat> two, two points from sixth, four points from third. Um, do you, so you're not confident that this team will finish top six? No, not, not as it stands. I mean, in my honest, honest opinion, I think we're where we are because the league is, league is as volatile and average as it is this year. Um, I think as results iron themselves out and you look at our next few games, you know, we've got to get the leads away um, very, very shortly. Um, I don't, I don't see us ending up top six with this squad of players. I think we've got too many mistakes in us. I think we've got too little fight. I think we've got too little in the way of kind of um, variability and, and verve going forward. Um, and I think we do need fresh faces. Yes. And I think we're also carrying a lot of baggage. I mean, another way of looking at it is, you know, we've had someone like Fernando Forestieri who just hasn't been involved in the squad for the last five, six weeks. Now, perhaps he's a little bit injured, but, you know, we, we kind of need to clear out all that clutter, um, make some decisive choices about the future and bring in some fresh faces. It's, it's not going to be whole scale change in one window. That's going to take two at least. Um, but I think the process has to start now. So I, I have disagree with you. Um, and it's because... This year, especially, you, you mentioned the volatility of the, of the league and just the mediocrity, and you know, there's so little that separates you know three through ten at this point. And and we look at past seasons and teams that have finished in the top six often make kind of a I won't call it a miracle or a dream run, but a, a really nice run toward the back half of the season, whether it starts in January or um, you know February, March, what have you. And, and you look at Wednesday, we, we are a team, even in the small sample size of you know, our, the start of this season, we are a team that can go on, on runs. I mean, look at the games before this last terrible stretch. Uh, you know, we beat Middlesbrough 4-1. Wait, sorry, I'm, I've kind of lost my spot here. But um, you know, the, the 1-1 draw to Birmingham, then 3-1 win, 2-1 win, 
drew at Derby or Derby, pardon, um, 4-0 against Forest. I mean, this is a team that can go on these runs with the players that we have. I don't know if January, with the way the league is right now, I don't know if January is the right time to, to make these moves. But I, I surely agree with you that if we aren't top, well, if we don't get promoted, period, this year, this summer, yes, we have to, sh- to trim that baggage. We have to get rid of uh, quite a few players and, and really kind of turn this thing around. But, Patty, Patty, what do you think? you think now is the time to blow it up, or, or do you think you, you wait through January, wait through this season, and, and see what could happen? I'm going to land somewhere in between what you said and what James said. Uh, kind of sitting on the fence, I'm afraid. So, um, I, logistically, we can't blow up in January, right? Because we, we've got no money to spend, uh, and it would just be basically shipping people out. Now, I'm also not really against shipping people out if you're not bringing replacements in. They don't have to be a light-for-light replacement. We've got a lot of dead wood, as James alluded to, um, and people just need to move on. Uh, a couple of those could be people that upset the dressing room, people like Forestieri and maybe even Kieran Westwood, who, again, has gone missing for the Christmas period. Maybe those people are putting this kind of, I don't know, bad attitude to the rest of the team. Um so I think it's a gradual thing. I think we try and do a little bit of business in the January window, bring in some people that are going to reinvigorate the rest of the team. Uh, I don't think we've got bad players. Um, I think there is an attitude problem. Uh, I think the heads do drop. Um, some of our best players aren't playing as well as they could be, like Reach, for instance. Um, my priority, and we'll talk about a bit more about who we should go for in the in the transfer chat later, but for me, we're crying out for a right winger that can cross the ball. Um, and it's it's sad to say that because we just signed Murphy on loan, obviously, and we've got Adam Reach, who's usually pretty reliable. Uh, but for me, it's, it's it's that and a striker we're looking to sign in the January window. And like I said earlier on, we need to start Luongo every single game. I don't, I don't care how good Hutch is defensively, Luongo gives much more going forward. And I hate to step on the toes of Al's about stat. It's a great podcast. You guys do a great job, James. Uh, but I am gonna I'm gonna ask a, a financial related question, uh, and, and it, well, you can just give me a short answer. But let's say that um, this January we're gonna sell some players. What what would be a, a good or healthy amount of money based on our accounts? Healthy amount of money to bring in. Say we just bring players on loan. We, we don't spend money in January. We just sell some of these guys. Well, what's a good price tag to end up with after four, three or four players are sold? Uh, I mean, the, the honest truth, Evan, is you know, as long as we're selling for roughly the amount that we're bringing in, in other words, we're balancing the books, then, then everything's pretty good. You know, So if you can get a couple of players shipped out for several million pounds that gives you several million pounds you can probably legitimately spend the only reason to say that is because we're into a different pns window now um and we all know that the prior window is still not settled because of the points deduction that's potentially hanging over us but you know a lot of that spend is is in the earlier years it's kind of gone um the problem is you've got to have a willing buyer right so you look at our squad and you look at even players like Forestieri and the real question is with six months left on the contract is someone going to come in and pay big money for those players or really, are you just taking the cost off the wage bill? In which case, you can, you know, you've still got a wheel and deal in terms of bringing players in. I'll be you can cover the wages, um, and I think that's actually the bigger problem that Wednesday have got. We haven't got a lot of readily saleable players who would command significant fees right now, um, and that's where probably the harder choices the club needs to make are. 
Yeah, I'm not too bothered about getting. Uh, obviously, it would be ideal to get money for players, but as you as you say, James, that boat's passed a long time ago. We had the option to sell Forestieri two years ago, and we didn't. We had the option yeah. to sell Rhodes, and we didn't. We've we've had options to do this, and we've missed them time and time again. Uh, for me now, it's about getting uh, spots available on that roster, get the wages off the bill, and just freshening the place up a bit, putting some new decorations around, making it feel a bit of a different place, making it just be more invigorated. And Monk's got to put a stamp on this team at some point. And so far, he's, I think he's done a decent job with what he's got. Um, but f it's frustrating to hear in his interviews recently saying that he's probably dabbled in the loan market. Now, whether that's something that he's been told he can only do um, is something we don't know. But for me, I'd like someone to come in that's a permanent uh, face because loan loanees tend to be very kind of, well, they're transient in nature, but don't tend to lift an entire dressing room, for instance, do they? They tend to become six months and go again. What you need yeah. is someone, it's a talisman to get everyone by the scruff of the necks and go, look, guys, we're three points from fucking fourth place. It's not going to take a massive effort to get what we've got over the line for the next six months. This league is not good. So all it takes is someone to just buoy them uh, and, and, and kind of solidify that squad and get them playing for each other again. You know, you're hitting on probably the most important takeaway, actually, from the entire Christmas period. Um, I'm just on the point about loans. I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that what he's referring to when he's talking about the loan market is that, you know, we aren't in the market for spending big, but we might be able to pick off from the periphery of the Premiership and maybe bring some real, real talent into place. Um, but it, he's got to make one or two strategic hopefully purchases for exactly the reason you just described because we need characters we need big personalities who are in there who are going to for you can form a team around because that is what was woefully missing over the course of those four games you know we didn't play particularly well against bristol city and you know probably actually bannon's frustration got us through that game and you know scored the penalty and so on but thereafter you know just the number of people who went missing at key moments you know whether it was when we were 2-1 up against stoke and couldn't hold on to that lead the way the team just completely collapsed under pressure in the last five minutes the lack of response against hull those first 10 minutes against cardiff you know those just come down to just a team that is not it's not full of leaders. We've been saying it for a year, 18 months, and, and he needs to go out and find a couple of those trusted people who maybe he's worked with before, maybe he trusts, maybe he knows, you know, who can kind of come in and shake up the dressing room, in my opinion. So we'll get to, to some more transfer talk in, in a little bit, but I, I, you know, so Patty's point was crossing. James, your point was was just that this, this squad needs some fresh faces and just needs kind of rejuvenated. Uh, mine's not a point, but a question I'm going to pose to both of you. Transfers aside, what what can be done in the short term to kind of stop this this skid that we've had? Patty, I'll start with you. Um, you know, a couple losses in a row. We just came off before those. We came off a pretty nice stretch that got us to to third in the table. It's it's a team that's capable of winning games. Um, what what can we do to, to stop this skid, whether it's uh, change up some tactics or, or just yeah, maybe insert some new players, not not new players to the team, but new players from the squad. What, what do you think, Patty? Um, I would give so I would give Fletcher and Rhodes one last last throw of the dice in this four four two formation. Uh, and then if that's not working, then we go back to the four five one formation. We've we've missed so much in central midfield going to four four two since switching back to that, um, and it works with Fletcher in the team. It didn't seem to work without him in the team, 
The other thing I've said earlier on, Luongo needs to start every game over Hutch. I think he adds a lot more to, to the actual uh, pace of the game. He's that kind of metronome that we've kind of missed. Um, I would... The right wing, for me, is something that's not solvable in this current squad. Uh, unless Reach finds his form again. Uh, because it's just a massive problem. Palmer can't cross the ball. Reach can't cross the ball at the moment. Murphy can't pass. Uh, we just need to avoid that right wing until someone regains some form. Um, the only other thing I think of is maybe bring Forestieri back and we play him as a winger, but he doesn't really cross the ball either. So, uh, so yeah, I think two two key things for me is give Fletcher and Rose one last chance of four four two. If not, switch back to four five one, and then secondly, bring Luongo back into the team. J- James, how about you? To be honest, I think Paddy's pretty much covered it. Um, I mean, it, the one thing I will say in defence of Adam Reach is that I just don't think he's an out-and-out right winger, which is what he's being asked to play at the moment. I don't think that's his best position. Um, you know, oddly enough, he's probably played at his best when he's had more of a free-ranging role, either off kind of the middle or, or playing, you know, off a striker in uh, in a four-three-three or a four-five-one, where he's he's kind of like the, the most advanced midfielder. Um, you know. It's difficult. We've got to find a way to bring Harris into the game and make him direct. Because at the moment, when he's coming from deep and Barry Bannon's deep and the team is is pushing from deep, he really doesn't have an outlet. And when he has his most biggest threat to teams, the one we're breaking on the counter at pace, he's pegging it down the left and we're getting someone in, in front of the defender with a ball across the six-yard box. We saw it just briefly against Hull. I think there was one cross that came in. I don't think it came from Harris. But you know, Jordan Rhodes got a glancing header. There was one where uh, Fletcher tried to convert as well. And when we're on the front foot, then we look like a side. And I think that's that's what we've got to find a way to do, you know, not to play deep and play reactively, but we've got to get a team playing at tempo and playing ahead of the the, uh, the opposition defence. So it's less about personnel, more about style and, and energy, to be honest. Well, we will move on. And as we said, it is January. It's a new year and, in fact, a new decade. And so we posed a question on Twitter and it was basically what what is your favorite moment of the last decade and patty let's start with you we'll read some of our responses here in a bit but patty let's start with you what's your favorite moment of the 2010s you know i wanted to do this uh in this podcast because it, it has the potential to be an absolute misery fest uh, <laughs> and i thought i mean Overall, the last 10 years hasn't been the most um, uh, joyous, but there's been some absolutely brilliant moments for Wednesdayites, uh, some of the best uh, um, in a long, long time. And those moments I wanted to kind of bring out and, and, and treasure in like a wrap-up of the decade type of thing. So for me, uh, and when I say moments, it's different to kind of what's your best goal, what's your best player, that kind of stuff. It's something that means something to you personally. So something that um, it could be a moment in time, it could be an actual match, it could be... Uh, a goal that could be a management choice or whatever. Whatever you think you think that made you stand out the most for you in the last 10 years, that's what we asked on Twitter. So for me, uh, it's a period of time because a number of things happened which I think was uh, monumental both for the club and for me personally. And it's February 2012. Now, this is the promotion from the League One uh, season, uh, the Mind the Gap season where we were chasing Sheffield United. Um, it was uh, the end of that month that uh, we beat... Chef United um, in Guy Megson's last game in charge, which basically swung the uh, uh, 
swung the uh, dialog over to us and put kind of like more onus on us having to, uh, the opportunity to actually overtake them, even though it's still a long, big ask. But that was a massive win for us, and that was one of the uh, the best highlights of that month. Uh, and then we saw the gradual demise of Sheffield United and us taking over from them. But what really for me happened also in February 2012 was the formation of New York Owls. So it was the very first meetup in February 2012. Uh, I started to uh, post a few things on Twitter and Facebook, I got a bit of a following. And we met up at the beginning of February for the FA Cup replay against Blackpool. I think there was four of us, me, Craig, Katura and Jim. Um, and uh, we lost 3-0 to Blackpool <laughs> in the FA Cup replay. <laughs> it was fucking miserable. Um, but it was the start, obviously, New York Owls, which obviously led to Owls and Americas eventually. Um, so that month for me, obviously, we went on to win uh, automatic promotion that year too. Those those few months after February 2012 uh, were fantastic. And I think... Um, that's how a lot of friendships were formed in New York too for me too. So it was an awesome time, and that's what stands out the most for me in the last decade. James, how about you? I, I love how Paddy kind of picked a month in a in a kind of seminal year because I mean you could easily have gone from February all the way through to uh, to right, late April, early May, I guess, kind of the Wickham game and and that promotion season, which by the way is the only ever time I've listened to a football match by listening to a radio commentary with a phone, off a phone, <laughs> plugged in a pint pot, in a crowded bar, with everybody listening to every single you know intonation in every word and kind of living on the edge. That was an amazing experience. But um, kind of similar, I'm, I'm going to go with a month, which actually you mentioned we put it on the on Twitter earlier on, it's been heavily referenced. So May of, uh, of 2016, which, you know, right in the middle of the decade, but it was also obviously our, uh, our run through the playoffs all the way to Wembley, um, and for 70 plus minutes, we were, you know, within a goal of the Premier League, right? We were kind of, we were almost on the cusp of, of living the dream. But I mean, that whole run was was incredible. And I think every Wednesday night knows kind of, you know, what their story is from the, the two semi-final games against Brighton, you know, what their experience of, of the game, whether they're at Wembley in London or, or elsewhere was. But for me, kind of a couple of things just, just really stand out. So one is... A moment about probably 15 20 minutes into the first leg against brighton at hillsborough um beautiful kind of you know um early early may evening friday night at hillsborough under the lights i mean we all know kind of you know the phones and the uh the kind of the starlit hillsborough later on but before wednesday took the lead when we when we scored the first goal from forestieri uh that was then ruled out for offside um just the the noise in hillsborough was unlike anything i can remember before and I, you know, I go back to the '90s, like everyone else, with the uh, the kind of the nostalgia bug at Hillsborough. It was incredible. You kind of knew we were sitting on this powder keg of an emotion of an evening, and and kind of like we were driving the team somewhere they hadn't been before. That was that was a really hair tingling moment. But it all kind of came to a head when we went down to London, and on the Friday night before the game, um, you know, a lot of us kind of started to mingle and meet up in in the centre of London around Covent Garden. And there were probably kind of a couple of hundred people outside a pub just on the north side of Covent Garden for a little while. And that kind of started to swell. And as the evening went on, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the Wednesday songs and kind of camaraderie was, uh, you know, was basically just dominating the centre of London. It was an incredible moment. And it, it carried on all the way through the game up until kickoff in uh, in in Wembley on the Saturday evening. But I just remember kind of getting the train out, the tube out, I should say, from uh, from Tottenham Court Road. And, and a good good number of us had been drinking in the court on Tottenham Court Road with some of the folks on the Wednesday week. Um, and it kind of it brought it home to me that I was suddenly on this tube with a bunch of people who, you know, I'd 
barely met, frankly. I probably met them the night before or kind of, you know, spoken to them briefly in the pub. A few, you know, folks from uh, Owls Americas, I was there with Luke. And um, there was me and Jamie Midgley, who runs New Orleans Owls, um, and who we're going to be hanging out with at the national meetup in, in a few weeks' time. And we're there with Lee Peacock, Wednesday celebrated striker of the uh, the 2005 playoff run in League One. And, um, you know, obviously everyone's singing we're on our way. So we, we twisted the words. So we're, we're on a train. But Lee Peacock's on a train. And before you know it, you've got like four carriages of the tube just absolutely thundering all the way to Wembley. He's on a train. He's on a train. Lee Peacock. He's on a train. Et cetera, et cetera. And this just, it just reverberated all the way there. And we... We just, frankly, we were convinced we were going to do it. We were absolutely going to do it. And it carried on all the way through, like I said, to that 70-odd-minute goal from Diame. But what an incredible experience. And to be fair, it kind of got better in the... Well, it didn't get better in the evening. It got worse. But um, it was still going in the evening. And Paddy and I were in a rickshaw at about 2 a.m. heading back down Tottenham Court Road, still singing Wednesday songs. So, yeah, what an incredible month, right? You're, you're kind of right, Evan. When you take a step back and you think about it, we've had some moments in the last decade. We really have. I would have got to give credit to Jamie, Jamie uh, and New Orleans Isle because I think he's, he lays credit to starting that song on the on the tube uh, to Wembley. So uh, it was Jamie that started the Leapy Leapy Cut song. Hang on. So mine, <clears throat> mine happened in 2012 as well, Patty. But uh, later on in the year, it was actually in August. It was the first match, <clears throat> August 2012, first match in the championship. It was against Derby County. And this was the first match I ever listened to. Um, first Wednesday match I ever listened to, saw, heard of. You know, I, I, if you're not familiar with my story, basically I kind of followed the club a little bit on the internet um, throughout, I don't know, 2005 <clears throat> to 2010. And um, there were a couple years there where I just, I guess, kind of lost interest because I couldn't watch anything. And then 2012, the summer of 2012, um, was introduced to, to iFollow, uh, not iFollow, Wednesday Player. And so I was, I was really looking forward to, to the start of the season. I, I actually, I may have listened to, if it was played, it was the, a preseason match against uh, a Scottish side. Um, Maybe Hearts, Kilmernock, maybe one of the, one of those. Anyway, um, I was just I was really looking forward to the Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Uh, I I actually had to work. I worked desk staff at a recreation center, basically just sat there at a computer uh, in the morning when barely anyone comes. And so I had a, a chance to turn it on the computer, turn it on the speakers, and um, I was listening, and, and it was just great. It was it was great to hear. Um, just just Wednesday in general and, and it was the first time I'd ever listened to a football match at all uh, without watching which was kind of a new experience but uh, the match itself was exciting uh, Darby got out to a 2-0 lead uh, in the first half even and then we scored one I think Chris O'Grady scored right before halftime and then down 2-1 and and it's actually getting closer to noon and, and that's when we start to get a little more busy. So there were some people in the lobby when, uh, in the 94th minute, Rita Johnson scored and, um, Rob, Rob O'Neill went wild, um, as he always does. And John went wild as well. And, uh, in turn, I went wild in front of four strangers in a lobby at a recreation center. And, uh, 
I don't know. There hadn't been there hadn't been much passion for for Wednesday before I, I was able to finally listen, and and now that I had finally gotten to listen, I could feel I don't know feel that passion that um, I suppose has come and gone since then. But uh, um, it's it always comes back at some point. You know, um, there are matches where it's tough to get up at seven o'clock a.m. and there's not much passion um, when, when you're watching it at at seven a.m. But um, yeah, it was just it was nice to nice to finally listen and, and get that first taste of of Wednesday, and it's something I'll always remember. Um, but you look at our our you know Twitter responses. We'll, we'll read a few of these. Stephen Peck, if you listened a few weeks ago, Stephen was on. Um, he talked about. Uh, our first uh, OA meetup at my house, actually in my basement where I'm sitting now, he said, versus Sheffield United last year when he was at his first OA meetup in the Hoot Suite with me and uh, my buddy Tyler Chamberlain, who, ironically enough, Tyler Chamberlain, who's now an Owls fan because of me, um, he works desk staff at the same recreation center and listens to matches on that computer um and uh, uh cincinnati else which is uh, elliot um that was that was a cool memory it was you know the first first meetup i ever had the first time i had met steven um i'd met elliot before but i think it was the first time he had come up to to my house so that was nice uh palmetto owls he said ross wallace taking the handwritten note that was absolutely humorous um <laughs> chris robinson the antonio gold versus wycombe uh he said his wycombe. glasses came wycombe is, is how we say it in ohio uh it's too close Fucking to wycombe. Wycombe, wycombe and wiggum sound too too close together for american <laughs> listeners so i have to make sure that i i it's phonetic it's i have to sound it out um First Wycombe, uh, he said his we glasses combi. came off. He fell over um, a few rows, so he must have been at the match. Uh, he said he missed the train on the way home, but what a day inside Hillsborough. Um, Mike w- was pumped in August 2019. He took his son to Hillsborough for the first time. Uh, he's got a picture of his son with with Kadeem Harris. Um, but the, you know, go to our Twitter and check out some of these. These answers. Colorado Al says, hard question to answer. The Hillsbrook lights against Brighton. He was there. Uh, also, the tube on the way to Wembley. Look at that. Uh, he was probably out. the other end of the uh, the Bakerloo line or something like that. Yeah. Hey, Evan, I've got to um, I've got to I've got to call out Elliot actually because he, yeah. he also gives me one of my most beautiful memories of uh, of the decade. And it doesn't have anything to do with the football game because it was a god fucking awful game against Brentford away at Christmas. Yeah, that's years right. Ago. Yeah. But Elliot and his wife came across from Cincinnati. Pretty much just to watch Wednesday against Brentford at Christmas, which like it blew my mind that somebody would want to travel across the Atlantic to go and watch a Wednesday away game when we were in the midst of kind of you know being pretty damn dreadful. It's what it kind of I think it was just after we'd sat Carlos, so uh, Bullard was probably in charge. Um, but we're queuing up to get into Griffin Park beforehand in the line, and you know. Um, the line kind of snakes backwards and forwards, and as we're going up one side of the snake, we go past John Sheridan, and we're like, oh, it's John Sheridan, and then we go around the snake again, and it's Chris Waddle. And we're like, it's bloody Waddle. <laughs> and then we saw John Newsom, and like we were kind of like half the old Wednesday squad of old are kind of in in the line trying to get in. And Elliot's kind of getting more and more excited. And I'm like, Elliot, can you believe it? You've come all this way. You're seeing all these legendary players. But he, what really blew his mind was he got to meet James Marriott in the pub afterwards. Like he was uh, he was absolutely stoked to beat the Wednesday week. 
So it kind of it, it just really made me smile the idea that you know people would travel that far and be that made up to meet fellow Wednesdayites, right? It it, it was a really heartwarming moment, um, especially considering how bloody awful the football was. <laughs> Excellent. We've got really good response on Twitter, actually. Literally just this second as we were recording. Uh, Sam Howard in Florida says his best uh, moment was semi-final versus Brighton at Hillsborough. I doubt he'll ever see a stadium like that again. Uh, his worst moment was definitely the drunken voice when I sent to our podcast. <laughs> which, I can't remember which episode that was on, but it was hilarious. I think we read it out as a transcribe from Google Voice. Uh, oh, yes. That's right. <laughs> and it was brilliant. Well, I was trying to dig that one out and I'm going to see it again. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, and thank you for all your responses, and, and obviously the tweet will stay up, so please get go ahead and go to our Twitter and tell us your favorite moment of uh, of the 2010s. We'll take a... Oh, hold quick... on, hold on, hold on, Evan. Uh, we've got a very late-breaking one. Uh, this is from uh, from a, a Jeffrey Patronosto, who, uh, who is texting from a bowling alley, <laughs> and he uh, he says, my, my favorite Wednesday moment of the decade was when I got punched in the face by, uh, by David, <laughs> or, or it might have been Dom. Um, but apparently the context is uh, it was something to do with a Brian and Hove Albion uh, semi-final, second leg, 1-1, 3-1 aggregate. Um, I'm told that was quite a messy night in New York, but I wasn't here to know. So uh, so there you go. Jeff uh, Jeff ended up with a, a kind of a, a stake on his eye or something at the end of it. <laughs> That's also the same game that we saw a rabbi at the end of the match, I think. I think that was the rabbi game where we were all celebrating. about 40, 50 of us in the football factory. And it was just kind of like slowly emptying out a little bit. We were all absolutely blottered in a good, good mood. Obviously, uh, Jeff's nursing his black eye. And then suddenly, in the middle of this throng of Sheffield Wednesday fans, this rabbi turns up in full head-to-toe kind of garb. And we just looked around and, where did he come from? Are we, are we so drunk we were imagining rabbis? <laughs> so that was another bizarre moment in the, the Brighton game. Was it a Wednesday fan? No, just a random rabbi walked down the steps of a football factory and just say hello and wonder what was going on. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> well, on that note, we will take a break and we'll be back very soon with some Wednesday news. Welcome back to the Owls AmeriCast, episode 87. We move into some Wednesday news and I guess let's start out this section by talking about some positives. I'd like to talk about who your player of the month for Sheffield Wednesday in December was. And James, how about we start with you? Try to keep it positive here. No, I'm I'm going to I'm going to go with a uh, a clean positive because there's, there's this was a moment of sheer uncontrolled messy like godlike skill from a Sheffield Wednesday player, which probably deserves Player of the Month in and of its own right, which was Morgan Flox's incredible glancing flick to score direct from a corner off of uh, Barry Bannon against Stoke. Beautiful goal. Uh, and actually, he's had a really solid month as far as I'm concerned. I don't think he's done a lot wrong in uh, in the kind of the, the poor performances we've had. So uh, so Morgan Fox, just for that uh, outrageous piece of skill on a cold night in uh, in Stoke on a Tuesday at Christmas or whatever it was. Patty, do you agree, or do you have someone else? Um, I am going to say Stephen Fletcher. Because he started the month off really strongly. He's got, I think, got four goals in four games, something like that. Um, and obviously he was injured for the last three games. That was only a week of the month. Uh, I do think Morgan Fox is a good shout, too, as is Cameron Dawson. 
But um, I think Fletcher's goals in those first few games at the beginning of the month uh, were vital. Well, mine's mine should be an easy pick. It's got to be Jordan Rhodes for me, <laughs> uh, especially with that hat trick right there in the middle of the month. And really, all, all things considered, December wasn't a bad month. It obviously didn't end terribly well. But you, you take out the, the match yesterday, and I think we won, what, three, drew one, and lost... One, two, not two. a bad month, but but yeah, I'd go Jordan Rhodes, and I'd really like to see him continue that form and, and keep getting uh, some time out there. Obviously, the last couple matches, yeah, they've been rough, but yeah, Jordan Rhodes for me. Can't believe you missed that, Paddy. Well, I was, all I people. Was mind. I mean, he had one good game, Fletcher had four. And a week's a long time in football as well. You know, Jordan Rhodes has gone from hat trick hero at uh, Nottingham Forest to uh, being relegated back to the bench and huffing uh, and puffing against Hull. So, what can you do? Next on the agenda, arbitration looms. Now, I'll be honest. Uh, when this news first came out, I did everything I could to 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 research, figure out what exactly the issue was. Which you can't really come to a conclusion on what exactly the issue is, but. I had a really good sense of, of what was going on as far as what was available to the public. Since then, it's been a, a flurry of statements from both sides that are basically nothing. There's no there's no good information in these statements. Um, until, until we see results or until I see some kind of physical proof, emails or letters or whatever that say, yes, you were allowed to make the sale and allowed to proceed the way you did, whatever. Until something concrete comes out, I'm not that interested. So I'm hoping one of you two, James maybe, um, since Patty just just spoke, um, it, can you give me any sort of update? Is there any good update on what's going on? No. There's literally no point in speculation. Because we're not, we're not going to see anything. We're not going to see anything until it's... Um, either resolved behind the scenes you know, with the EFL without court proceedings or things are actually presented in a court of law as part of a court case. Um, you know, What it really comes down to is when they believe that they have a right to a legal review as to the legitimacy of the charges the EFL have brought, the EFL don't believe that Wednesday have that right, that will be arbitrated. If it is agreed that there is a legal impediment to the EFL charging Wednesday with misconduct, then it will end up in court and we'll probably see some of the evidence. If not, it'll be behind closed doors and it'll be subject to you know, all the rights and privileges that, that will go with that. And it will require someone to leak the information for us to actually know what's being presented. Um, it just sounds like a mess, to be perfectly honest, Evan. It sounds like a mess of opinions, a mess of politics, a mess of you know poor organisation that got us into this situation. Um, but I'm afraid that as, as fans, all we can do is wait. We cannot second guess this. You, you can't know what the EFL are going to do. You know whether people say it's a 21 uh, automatic 21 point deduction, or whether you know Wednesday can legally block it until the end of the season. It, it's just really, really hard to predict. I'm afraid. So the best thing we can all do is just get on with the season. Um, I, I hope that's what the team are trying to do. I hope that was Gary Gary Monk's trying to do. Um, because if we try and uh, predict the outcome, I'm afraid we'll probably all look like fools until uh, until something emerges. Speaking of updates, Patty, any Grant McCann updates? <laughs> this isn't a regular feature that you've missed, Evan. Um, uh, so this week, oh yesterday, sorry, uh, after the um, 
game against Hull, Grant McCann came out and said that that we were trying to put him off or trying to kind of like some kind of like nasty tricks because we uh, refused him entry to the car park on the uh, Hillsborough and he had to park 10 minutes away and then apparently they couldn't get any of the plugs to work in the dressing room either to play music so he thinks we were playing mind games what was probably more likely is the fact that we're not very good at uh, <laughs> welcoming people to, as far as the Hillsborough uh, as we were saying earlier on about uh, organisation and administration at Hillsborough doesn't seem to be very effective so uh, what he thinks is probably a kind of devious plot was more likely just kind of like really poor management. <laughs> Gross incompetence. Yeah, I mean, um, unfortunately, this is we're trying to strike an upbeat tone for 2020, so I'm not going to go down the dark uh, path of, uh, or the dark side, I went to see Star Wars today, um, of, uh, of belittling Wednesday's operational ineptitude, which is probably the root cause of all of this. But I really do like the idea that you couldn't park in the car park. If, you know, anyone who's been to Hillsborough recently knows that the official club car park has got about four parking spaces. I mean, it's it's a combination of like the little kind of, you know, house-sized plot across the river behind the South Stand or the spaces behind the South Stand, which uh, basically are all taken up by Forestieri's Range Rovers, plural. So, um, you know, it's no surprise you had to park on, well, I don't know, you know, one of the roads up beyond uh, beyond the tram stop. Um, so it's quite an entertaining idea in trotting down to the ground beforehand. Um, I did everything like, uh, like Gary Monk's response. Like Gary Monk responded in the interview afterwards after he heard what he said, saying that I had to park 15 minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> While, while we're on car parks, weirdly, while we're on, while we're on car parks as, as a subject, I wanted to point out here something that's not on the agenda, is the Wednesdayite car park fiasco, which uh, the Sheffield Council are uh, asking for back payment of like three or four years, I think, maybe even more of that, uh, Twenty thousand pounds, I think it, James, is it? Uh, they've got yeah, to pay it's business car. rates for the uh, for the land, yeah. Which is absolutely appalling. They, they understood that that wasn't going to be the case. Uh, they've been in contact with the Sheffield Council. Uh, look on the Wednesday night Twitter for the full story, but essentially the council are trying to do them over, and uh, it's it's a damn shame because that money that um, Wednesday night take from the car park all goes to charity, um, and now they're going to have to pay the council these, these business rates instead. Um, so, if uh, anyone from the council works with the council, I just would like to get in touch with the council to show your displeasure at this uh, farce. Then I would recommend doing so, um, and all the best to Wednesday night in their fight against it. All right. Well, let's get to the transfer window discussion. Um, Patty, players in, players out. Um, go ahead. I'm going to start. Just, just with my go number with one it. target. My number one target. Um, and the rumor is actually getting stronger. I just saw another tweet from some ITKer um, saying that we're in extended negotiations or advanced negotiations with uh, Lee, um, the Arsenal striker Eddie Nakataya. That is, I think, is our number one game changer. If we were, to, if I were to ask me who we should be signing, it is that guy, Eddie Nakataya from Arsenal. He's a fantastic player. He couldn't get in the lead side, um, which um, is a shame because when he did play, he looked very, very good. My friend's an Arsenal fan, and he says he's obviously going to be massive. Um, the only thing that will go against us in this is the fact that Arsenal may look at our striker rosters uh, and say we've got six strikers on the books. Are you going to play him? Uh, and they might prefer to send him somewhere else. That's the reason they're going back from Leeds in the first place, because Leeds weren't playing him enough. So um, I hope that's not the case. I hope we'd manage to get this deal over the line, because I think having someone with the pace and trickery of Nikitaya next to Stephen Fletcher will be an awesome top two, and it's that kind of um, youth and uh, pace we need up front to partner Fletcher. So that would be, if we only won bit of business this year, that would be the business I want to, to do. 
James, how about a player you'd like to see sold? <laughs> Do we know any um, you know billionaires in Kosovo who are trying to build a team <laughs> around a tall you know national hero? No, I I don't. I don't know anyone. Pretty sure billionaires in Kosovo is a, like a shot on the ground. Bugger. Um, yeah, so I, I guess we're not about to uh, to reap an incredible reward for the sale of uh, Adi Nuhu, who's been a patient servant to the club over the last decade. Um, I think the, there's a couple of players I'd like to see go now because they're out of contract in the summer. I think, um, you know, if we could get a deal for Westwood now, I'm I'm kind of I'm of the view that Cameron Dawson's done enough now to suggest he can be a long term number one, um, and a bit of money for Westwood now, as opposed to uh, Westwood in, leaving in six months, which I think is probably the inevitable outcome, uh, is is one that I would look at. Um, doesn't give me any pleasure to say that I, I like Kieran West as a goalkeeper, but there just seems to me to be something that isn't that's persistently uncomfortable there in terms of the way he fits in and out of the squad. Um, I think the uh, the really kind of controversial one, um, which I don't think I'll get any fans or favours for saying, is if we could sell Barry Bannon for a hefty way of change right now, I think Wednesday, the balance of Wednesday's team might be better for it. I think he's a phenomenal footballer, arguably one of the best midfielders in the championship, but I do not like the way our midfield operates around him. Um, I think it's unbalanced. I think it demands too much of him. Um, and unless we can address that balance, he's a pretty damn saleable asset. What uh, what do you think we could bring in for him? What's his value? I can't believe that you know, with the money that some players go for in the championship, that an under contract Barry Bannon at the top end of the championship for a team pushing for top three wouldn't pay eight, nine, ten million pounds for him in today's market. I don't think that's out of the realms of possibility. I don't think it's likely, um, but I think he's I think he's that good. Um, like I say, it's it's not because I want rid of Bannon. It's just I. I, I just think that our midfield suffers for the amount that has to go through him. Yeah, but who'd, who would you bring in to replace him? We haven't we haven't got anything like Bannon. You would, you would change the way the midfield's operating. Like I said, I'm I'm saying it to be controversial as much <laughs> as anything else. Um, I just James I Allen think that's the scale dog. of change that we need. I, I think we're I think we're relying too much on past glories and individual players, and I want us to play more as a unit. And it might take something like that for us to to force a hand. I wouldn't sell Bannon for. Less than fifteen million. Who who would you sell in this window, Penny? Uh, I'd sell Winall definitely first out the post. Um, I would sell if if someone offers more than two million quid, I'd sell Jordan Rhodes, <laughs> which is uh, painful to say. Um, I'd, I'd agree with James. I'd sell Kieran Westwood if we can get some cash for him. Um, I would sell Forestieri if we get some cash for him. Um, I would sell Adam Reach over Bannon any day and Reach has got age on his side which Bannon hasn't uh, if we could get 5 million 6 million for Adam Reach I think that would be a good uh, return um, what else have we got to sell I mean I'd, open, I'd listen to offers from anybody honestly I would s listen to offers to anybody I mean, Fletcher at this point there's no point selling him because he's not he's worth more to us on the field than he would be going out the door uh, other than that I wouldn't really um, turn anyone away if they offered some good cash. Okay, James, who would you bring in? Is there any? Are there any targets on the board that uh, that you've been looking at? Or are you pretty? Uh, I guess 
pretty content. No, I mean, I, I know not you're not content. I've, so. <laughs> I've said earlier on, if you're not content, I think Paddy's kind of nailed the number one target, right? It's not Um But I've been saying for best part of a season and a half that I want a pacey striker playing off Stephen Fletcher. So if he's not available, I'd love to think the Wednesday Scouting Network, which we did invest in under Steve Bruce, might pay dividend and we might find somebody who none of us are looking at who could come in and play that role, particularly if we can get a couple of players off the books. Winall, I think, is, is a great shout as someone who just hasn't, it hasn't worked out. So, so let's cut losses and, and roads probably the same. Um, you know, beyond that, I don't really have targets as much as, you know, I look at players who I would like to see us um, emulating, you know. Um, and I, I, I think we need players that, that play with just more fluidity, more drive, more purpose, more energy. Um, you know, Hernandez at Leeds is, is one that kind of um, springs to mind. You know, the the kind of the drive and the pace of someone like um, Ender Stevens at United, you know, I just, I want those players that bomb up and down the pitch and kind of give their everything for every single challenge. Um, and I, I just feel like we're lacking that at the moment. So energy drive and enthusiasm, I don't really mind where it comes from. One player that, excuse me, one player that has been sold is Jordan Thornley. He's on his way to Blackpool uh, for an undisclosed fee. Um, uh, any any thoughts or, or disappointment from from you two on that sale? Um, for me, it's positive that we're looking at players that aren't getting game time and selling them. That's the only positive take from this. I think Thornley is a decent player. I think he's probably like what fourth, fifth in line, centre half at the moment. So for me, it makes sense not to sit on the bench or go on reserves and to get some game time. And rather than loan him out, it makes sense to get a permanent transfer done and. Maybe if we get a couple hundred thousand for him, three hundred thousand for him, I think that's in the range of what I expect. Um, so all the best. And I think um, Blackpool won't be the best team they play, so I think he's going to go up the divisions. Yeah, I think that's right, buddy. I mean, he's um, he's definitely capable. He's definitely capable at championship level. Um, he's a full throttle defender. I think he'll you know he'll develop well with more maturity and good coaching. Um, but he wasn't going to get game time at, at Wednesday anytime soon. I think it's it's kind of refreshing actually that we're we're looking at you know getting a bit of cash in for a player who isn't going to play for us. So good good luck to him. Um, I'm sorry it didn't work out, but he was probably never going to be like you know the the top of the championship centre half. Watch me be proven wrong on that in about eighteen months time, but we'll see how we go. So let's move on to our match preview section. Uh, we're going to play Brighton in the FA Cup. And when we trot out our starting eleven, James, what do you want that to look like? <laughs> um, it's going to have to look different, isn't it? I, it to be honest, Evan, it, you know, I'm not in normal seasons. I kind of go, ah, oh, it's the FA Cup; it doesn't matter that much. You know, it's just focus on the league. Actually, you know, I kind of like like us to go to Brighton and not get mullered. I'd like us to to put up a showing. Um, it's a good test against a team which. Um, our dear neighbours have proven aren't necessarily light years ahead of the championship, um, but doing well enough in the Premier League. Um, but I think there's a reality of where we're at. Like you know, the the core starting eleven has just played four games in six days. Um, it it cannot go to Brighton, turn in a match, and then turn up at Leeds, whatever it is, five six days later, and and be effective. So he's going to have to make changes. Um, I think you'll see Wildsmith starting net. Um, I think you'll see some rotation at the back. Um, you know, probably maybe even players like the long mis- mysteriously missed David Bates making an appearance. 
um, maybe Borna getting a bit more game time given the fact that you know he's he's been in and out the side over the last few weeks. Um, I'm sure that they'll freshen up the midfield, um, and you know I think they'll 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 make a day out of it. I hope, but um, but I think it's going to have to be a change side. I would hope it's like I, wholesale I, changes. Yeah, I, I want to see. Uh, I feel like a broken record at the moment. I want to see Luan go in centre midfield. <laughs> I want to see. Uh, it's the strike force that, that concerns me because I'd like to get Rhodes going again. So I give Rhodes a chance. Maybe we need to bring Fletcher up to speed, fitness wise. I, w- I wouldn't mind playing Fletcher either. Um, I think definitely give Harris a rest. He needs a rest. Um, give Bannon a rest, give Hutchinson a rest. Um, I don't care if you put on the right wing, it doesn't matter. Maybe a youngster would be great. Um, and then Berner had start over Leeds, give him a rest. Um, maybe you could David Bates try out too. I mean, give the Bates a, a game. He could play once, I think, in the Cup so far. Um, maybe other bio on right, right back. Just give everyone the rest you can do. Uh, I, I think that's... <sighs> It's going to be a team that's obviously not our best team, but I mean, it's a cup game. Anything can happen. Um, hopefully, Brighton do the same and rest their team too against us, uh, and we'll, we'll see who we get. Uh, the positives for us is that Brighton's only won one game in the last ten uh, in the Premier League, so um, they're not the best team right now. Um, so neither are we. <laughs> Didn't we say that about Stoke and Cardiff? <laughs> we are the Hull. best team to play when you haven't won many games. <laughs> the most charitable team to play. Yeah, normally we would preview the squad uh, that we're going up against, but like you said, it's tough to uh, tough to predict what lineup they send out there. Um, you know, the leading scorer for the year is Neil Maupay. Yeah, he's a guy you, you might remember from what was it, Brentford. Mm-hmm. Brentford spent big money on him a couple summers ago. Um, you know, they're just yeah. I think they'd be a bang average team in the championship, to be honest with you. Kind of look at at that roster and, and the way they play and their form. Um, any score predictions from, from either of you? I mean, is it even worth predicting a score? I think we'll lose 2-0. <laughs> it's funny, I was going to say 2-0. Actually, if you look at Wednesday's trail of results recently across the four games we've just played, it's all been by the odd goal, hasn't it? 1-0 one, one win, uh, and then mm-hmm. what was it? A 3-2, a 2-1, a and a 1-0 defeat. Um I think, Paddy, you're right on this one. I think it's going to be 2-0, possibly even 3-0. To Brighton, I should add, not to Wednesday. <laughs> well, we will see, and some of us will see it in person with some other Wednesday eyes. Paddy, where are the meetups for the FA Cup clash? Uh, we'll meet up in New York at the Football Factory. Uh, all FA Cup games, by the way, are on ESPN+, Plus, so you can't get this on the iFollow. Um, I believe, well, I know that Jamie's meeting up at Finn McCall's. Um, I don't know if our friend Stephen in Indiana's meeting up. Um, check our Facebook events page near the time. Uh, and that's it, I believe, for um, Saturday. I mean, if you do, the good thing about playing the FA Cup is that it's on ESPN Plus, And if you know of a local Brighton uh, team in your area, go to their pub and watch it with them, guys. It's uh, probably on in, the, in uh, one of the sports bars near you. If you know of a local Brighton team, I and mean, Brighton fan clubs in America are about as rare as Sheffield United fan clubs in America, aren't they? Um, well, maybe not. You'd have more. to think. Yeah. Um, 
Patty, how about a national meetup update? We got uh, any any new news or any updated numbers on attendance figures? Yeah, we broke the 30, 30 people barrier, so it's at least 30 people confirmed so far. Uh, we've got a media blitz just starting, if you haven't seen us in the program uh, on the New Year's Day games. Yesterday against Hull, we were in the uh, Wednesday program. Um, we also were on the website today too, so go check on uh, swfc.co.uk for more details about the national meetup. If you are new to this and you don't know what the hell we're talking about, it's a big meetup in New Orleans, which we're bringing all Wednesdays together, uh, both in the States and from wherever you want to come travel to or from. Um, we're meeting with New Orleans on the 29th of February for the Derby County game, uh, Live and I Follow. We will then spend the rest of the day um, drinking, I assume, uh, but also a few more events will be planned, like Crawfish Boil, probably do a podcast out there too. There's talk of maybe a five-a-side game or something like that. It'll be good fun. So um, go to owlsamericas.com. You'll see a link for the national meetup in the navigation. Uh, and if you are still on the fence, give us a shout. Any questions, we can try and push you off that fence into New Orleans. Uh, we're on Owls America on Twitter, and then Owls America on Instagram, and Owls America on Facebook. You've been listening to episode 87 of the Owls AmeriCast, brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's I Follow live match streaming service. You can sign up at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. You can find us online at owlsamericas.com. You can email us at owlsamericas at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Uh, same on Instagram and on Facebook, I believe. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites Reverend and the Makers. Our podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There is no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Al's AmeriCast, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. And James, what are you most looking forward to in the 2020s? Uh, resolution of the EFL points. No. Um, you know what? I'm looking forward to getting to Hillsborough again before the end of the season. Um, I think I'm going back in April. So one way or another, um, you know, it'll be nice to, uh, to see the old lady. Patty is most definitely on Twitter at New York Owls. And Patty, what's the other one? Patty A. Jones, I believe, is the other Twitter account. And Patty, what are you looking forward to in the 20s? Uh, quite obviously, it's the national meetup against, uh, in New Orleans. February 29th. I am personally looking forward to getting to Hillsborough. No uh, no concrete plans in the works right now, but I have to imagine within the next 10 years, my wife and I will make our way over there, hopefully to watch a Premier League match. Oh shit, Evan, you were talking about the entire decade. I was just talking about the year 2020. <laughs> you, you, your, your ambitions are much loftier. Can I, uh, can I revise my statement? Please do. Promotion. Fucking promotion. <laughs> Can you really look forward to something if you don't think it's going to happen? <laughs> you still dream, can't you? <laughs> That's banned in 2020. Well, I have been Jeff Paternostro. And we'll see you here again next week. <laughs>